0: Where's
1: Fielder? He's gone to the dogs.
2: Welcome once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is your host, Steve Fielder. This old gravelly voice I'm sure you recognize after all these podcasts that we've done. It's been about three years now that I've been involved in this racket, so to speak, on the internet. And it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. We've had a great time with it, had a lot of great guests, and we have another really special guest today for you. I want to briefly mention our friends out at DU Hunting Supply, uh, W U Hunting Supply, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, Uh Our producer, Shannon, went on to... Uh, greener pasture so we have a new producer colby he's uh, well known in this industry and is doing a great job so anyway i want to mention to you if you need anything for your dogs or your your personal hunting gear collars leads um you know uh, logo wear hats uh, books all kinds of things that interest a houndsman and hunter Check out dusupply.com. We certainly appreciate those guys out there. Well, without uh, messing around here too much this morning, I'm going to bring our guest right on. He's a guy that uh, we were just talking before the show about when we met, and we're not sure where it was, but it was somewhere probably back in, in the late 70s, early 80s, He's from the town of Beaver, Pennsylvania, up in western Pennsylvania there, Mr. Lee Logan. How you doing, Lee?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Steve?
2: Well, I'm doing good today. We never talk about the weather on this show, but I will tell you <laughs> that it is okay. going to be 90 and probably the humidity will be about as close as it can get to 100%. How about up your way?
0: Well, it's supposed to be ninety to ninety three today. We have actually Florida weather, so and we're not used to it. So
2: <laughs> I got you. Well, are you in the hills there, or is it pretty flat? What What's the terrain like around you there?
0: What's the terrain like? Yeah. Well, here where I live, um, pretty hilly. We're right off the High River, so we have the High River Hills, and. Um, at my age now, I do a lot of hunting in a high, which is only about fifteen miles away. It's flatter; it's easier to get around. Uh, very enjoyable compared to running up and down these these hills.
2: Well, I certainly understand that b- bit about the hills. You know, I grew up in them too, down there in southern West Virginia, and uh, uh, you know, thought nothing of it. You know, climbing up and down those uh, those hills, but. As I got older, I found out that there's a better way. <laughs> That's why I gotta kind of back up every year. One of the trips that I try to take every fall is out to Arkansas, and those big, flat river bottoms out there with open timber. That's a whole lot my, more my speed. But, uh, hey, Lee, a lot of people know you. The name um, instantly comes to mind when you talk about walker dogs. Um I know that uh, perhaps, uh, you know, one of the most famous of your dogs was the Clover Dog, Logan's Wild Clover. You had the Genie Dog. I think they're both in Walker Hall of Fame. Uh, There's a lot of dogs uh, that are associated with you and a lot of years of coon hunting. Uh, Before we get into that coon hunting resume and start talking about all these dogs and and the hunts that you've had and friends you've made and all those sort of things. Just tell me a little bit about who Lee Logan is. Where were you born? Uh, what would you do for a living before you retired and about your family and such? Can you do that?
0: Sure will. I was born right here in Beaver, Pennsylvania. I lived most of my life here, a little bit in California. I lived there for a while until hunting season started, and I loaded up and came home. Um uh, <laughs> Anyway, i uh, been married to Regina for over 30 years, 31 years. Uh, she's my right hand. Awesome. Keeps me straight.
1: Awesome and, lady. Um, yeah.
0: Two, two, uh, two children, uh, grandchildren. Unfortunately, nobody, well, actually three. I lost one there. But, um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm the only hunter. They'll go with me if I ask them, but, you know, it just takes a certain person or a certain something to really, really get in with the dogs. I, I just love dogs since I was a wee little kid, and uh, yeah. um, I can tell you a couple stories, but we'll get on to that later. But um, just had a had a great time here and enjoyed hunting. Almost everything, I hunt everything. And, well, um, uh, let
2: me ask you this. Did you grow up in the country or, or in town?
0: Yes, we grew up in the country. We had yeah. horses, my dad and uh, mother kind of let us kids do whatever we wanted. We had 20-some acres there. Dad always raised beagles. and uh, uh-huh. So, a real quick story. My first dog, uh, he had a female, and he had her— penned up, and my older brother, I asked him, I said, I was probably maybe 10, I didn't know too much what was going on yet, and he (laughs) said, well, if Mike gets in there with her, you're going to have puppies, and I said, really? So guess what? I put Mike in there, and (laughs) we had puppies, and my dad could never quite figure that one out.
2: Figure out how that happened.
0: (laughs) We ended up with two, and uh, probably the well, not probably the best vehicle I ever owned was out of mm. that class. us. And um, he was hard. Uh, I had a hard time training him, and I wanted to shoot him a couple times. And my dad said, no. He said, sometimes those ones that are hardest to train turn out to be the best. And he was right.
2: Yeah. So, well, what 10-year-old kid doesn't want a puppy, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, looking back, I remember my parents bought me a plot pup. I don't think he was a, a purebred. He may have been purebred, but he he didn't have papers. And, uh, you know, I really liked that puppy. I, I was pretty young, but... He got sick, and I'm not sure what happened to him. The first dog I really remember of mine that I got out in the field with and all was a, a female beagle that I got for my birthday one year. So I guess we got started that way, too. Do you still have any beagles, Lee?
0: No. No, I had a real good friend, Larry Sammons. Of course, we could have but together. We had beagles together, and Larry passed away, and I had one— Pretty good beagle at the time, but you know, when you lose somebody like that, your hunting partner, uh, it just, uh, took a lot out of it, and I ended up just selling a dog to actually Larry's son in law. But, uh, in fact, Larry was hunting a dog for me. Larry and I were born the same day, well, same date, August the 4th. He was 10 years younger, and we were both had a cold, and we were. Getting ready to go to Walker Days, and Larry said, "Let me let me hunt her for you." He said, "You better go home and get some rest and stuff because you're going to Walker Days." And he said, "I can't go." He had a deer farm and there was nobody there to take care of his deer and stuff. While so I said, "All right." So about midnight I got a call, <clears throat> and anyhow it was uh, East Liverpool Hospital and. Uh, Larry had had a massive heart attack and passed away oh while
1: my. he was hunting the boat.
0: So that was a toughie. Oh, I didn't make bad. Walker Day. I think it was the only time in probably 30, 40 years I didn't make Walker Days. But uh, anyhow, yeah. that was just a story somebody helping <laughs> out. I've had a lot of help over the years. Uh, I talked about my wife. She's always backed me up. And uh, you, know, you wonder sometimes. I asked her, I said, how many? i of course slowed down now, but I said, "How many? How many nights a year do you suppose I hunted?" And she said, "Oh, I would say pretty close to about three hundred and fifty nights a year you hunted." <laughs> that was pretty. That's pretty
2: just much about good. all I, I of them.
0: I didn't yeah. hunt Christmas.
2: Yeah, and
0: probably didn't hunt Thanksgiving. But if I could get out in the woods and make it during the five degree snow, I went hunting anyhow.
2: So. I think. uh Frank Giddings is about the only guy I know personally that goes hunting on Christmas Eve or Christmas.
0: <laughs> I've hunted with Frank, Frank might be a harder hunter than I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've hunted with him several times.
2: Yeah, we were up
0: there one. We were up there one night. And there was about ten guys, and when when it got daylight, Frank and I was the only two that were still in the woods. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a familiar story with Frank. You know, yeah. I, I it wasn't. Oh, last year. So he hunted a dog for me for uh, about three months up there last year, and uh, uh, he was talking about so and so was was there visiting, and they hunted till about two o'clock, and they went home. And he said, "I I hunted till daylight," you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when Randy Smith and I were up there to pick up that dog, and and one of Randy's. Uh, We hunted with Frank down around uh, uh, Alan Snedeker's place and the Kiefer boys up there. I don't know if you've ever been over there hunting or not, but uh, anyway, Frank, uh, it was like that again, about two. And uh, I said, well, you got a couple hours drive home, Frank. And he said, yeah, but I've I've got a couple good turnouts between here and there. And he's well, in his eighties. I, so. I can
0: relate to that because I was up there, and um, snow was too deep. And Frank said, out, oh, don't worry. We loaded up. and We went down to Allen and Beth's and
1: uh, mm-hmm. we
0: hunted down there and uh, hunted all night. And we come in. Beth had homemade cherry pie.
1: Nice oh
2: boy! First. Yeah." And, uh, Treat us like kings. Uh, very, very.
0: Well, really they do. There's memories n- that you really yeah. enjoy. You
2: Absolutely, know. Lee. They're they're fine, fine people right there. In fact, sure, that, sure that fall, uh, last fall, I guess it was, when Randy and I were up there. And Beth, of course, two two different nights there, she made pies and sent out sent out to us, and uh, you <laughs> know, and uh, yeah, you know, there's so much being said about hunting nowadays, and we'll get into this a little more, I guess, as we go along. But but you know, if the younger guys or the newcomers to the sport are just getting in it to try to win. Whether it's money, a trophy, uh, make a, a title on their dog, whatever—if that's the be-all, end-all—and you ignore all the other peripheral stuff that's out there, uh, you're missing the boat in my in my view. Because the best times I remember about coon hunting all the, over the years have been the fellowship times, you know, with the with the other hunters
0: and. Well, hey, amen to that, and some of the, I, I'm sure you were. Probably had when you started out because I know I read most of your articles and stuff back in the day. But I hunted with Ted Varshine. We hunted mm. about fifteen years till he finally quit. Uh, but uh, we had old trucks and we put a cap on the back of them, throw our sleeping bags, in, and Risa's wife would make us a big bucket of chicken, and <laughs> um, we'd get into like the Grand American and places like that. We. Pulled the dog walks out, slept in the back of the truck. Uh, we always looked around for a truck stop because we could go in for seventy-five cents or a dollar and go in and get a shower. And yeah. uh, we paddled that way for quite a while. And uh, you looked around, and there was a lot of people in the same boat that you were. Now you pull into a hunt. There's 50 60 70 80 thousand dollar trucks sitting there oh, <laughs> everybody's yeah. in a fancy motel it's just a whole different uh, you know. it
2: is for sure i've talked a few times on podcasts with lee currents uh-huh. and you know lee well i'm sure and well, uh, i know and he talks about you know the early days for him too was like sleeping in the back of a truck or well he mentioned one time he and Four or five other guys. They were in a little old car. <laughs> they had all the dogs in the trunk. I think they went to Redbone Days out of Kentucky. Uh, they went, up. and yeah. and he he mentioned that some other well-known hunters at that time were sleeping, you know, in the back of a truck in the hay.
0: Well, you remember, and I'm sure you can. And I've i read your articles. See. Uh, there wasn't. As many pickup trucks, guys put their dogs in the trunk and mm-hmm. they put them in the back seat. Um,
1: oh, it was yeah! Just
0: a different, uh, different <laughs> time out there. Uh, oh, it was. Yeah, you can. You really appreciate things, and I, I agree with you. I, I don't know about the younger people, uh, whether. they're... Uh, Even like you asked me how I grew up, I grew up in the country. I had horses, I had dogs. Uh, We always had, mom had something for us to do in the morning, weed the garden or something. And we got that done. Uh, She didn't see us till supper time. And uh, we was in the woods or we went swimming or we did something. We we were always outside. Uh, And I even look at my grandchildren sometimes sitting around playing games on their computer and stuff, and I, I try not to say anything. It's pretty tough sometimes, but I think they got to be missing. The other thing is, Regina calls a lot of these kids helicopter kids. In other words, their parents hover over them all the time. Well, when you and I grew up, you went out and you did something, if it wasn't wrong, well, like my dad would tell me occasionally, you get into it, you can figure a way to get out of it, so yeah <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah,
2: they weren't too sympathetic with our mistakes oh, were they? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. My, yep. my dad uh, his mother had taught in a one room schoolhouse in Tennessee when my grandfather met her, and he was a railroader, and they ultimately got married and of course raised a big family. there were nine children that lived. But my dad would say sometimes, and his, his mother was a very, very sweet lady, one of them, probably the most influential person in my life uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, he said, I'd get slapped up the side of the head, you know, and I'd say, what was that for? And she said, well, you figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I knew I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. But when you got nine like, kids, you know, I imagine yeah. you don't have to, much time for uh, sitting down and, and talking it out. Just, you know, <laughs> figuring." it out. We didn't
0: have a lot but growing up, but there was one thing we always did have. Mom always had a good meal sitting on the table. Mm. and Yeah. It was maybe... Maybe it wasn't prime rib or something, but it was always good. and It was homemade. And it was homemade dessert. I I can remember <laughs> this. It just boggles my mind. Sometimes we every meal we had, we had dessert. You know, it was, she had done, and even if it was just ice cream or cake or she had pie. It was always dessert.
2: You know? Oh and yeah, uh, yeah. Well, dessert. my mother was a great pie maker. That was yep. her specialty. You know, and then she made these cream pies. Uh, uh-huh. All different kinds: uh, coconut cream, pineapple, chocolate.
0: Uh, you're, you're making
2: me hungry. Oh, I tell you, and mother, you know, she was always the hit at the church social or the fellowships at the church or what or potlucks I guess I'm trying to say because of her pies, you know. And
0: oh, and yeah. I, I grew up in a very religious home. Uh, it yeah. was kind of well. It was. Sunday morning, it wasn't um, if you were going to church,
1: it was what time. <laughs> you didn't have any choice <laughs> through going to church. It just depends what exactly. time you went.
0: And uh, it's just uh, you yeah. know, just the way we were raised. And we'd go on vacation. We had a little cabin up in the mountains. And down in the corner, there was a little church of some sort. And even when we were there, and you could go in your blue jeans and church. I thought that was cool because yeah. at home, I always had to put a suit on. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd go down there in our boots and stuff and to this day I, I I really really remember that, uh little church we went to. I I think they had a piano and yeah. uh it was just some country people went in there and that's but that's the way that's the way we oh, were raised. Right. We really we, awesome. we learned to respect people. Um
2: that's a key right there, Lee, that I believe is missing so much, you know. And, of course, I have a lot of listeners that are older. And I and I have young ones, too, that say I love the stories. You know, I love to hear about the way things were back in the day. Right. Uh, and And we lived through that time, and we didn't have a lot to amuse us. I think that's why – you know i certainly got involved with the dogs because i i i love dogs like you but also loved you know, being out with them and in the woods and all. And although I grew up on the edge of a of a town, I had access to woods just across the highway. And, you know, when I'd come home from school, I'd grab my gun and head off to the squirrel woods or whatever. Sure. But my dad was raised on a farm in Tennessee. I've told this many times. And, uh-huh. you know, when we would go to visit grandparents, our like you said earlier, they just kind of cut us loose. And we just <laughs> ran wild.
0: Well, you, you know? talk about hunting like that. I had a Baker when I was in high school. And uh, Benny, that dog, I told you, the beagle. Benny's laying in the back seat. And when I was like a junior and senior, I had, I'd had, get out of school about 2 o'clock. I'd have study halls, and I'd manage to slip out of there. The uh, 16-gauge shotgun laid in the back window, and Benny laid on a seat. When I got out of school, Benny and I hunted until dark. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking nowadays, a he, kid he, he can't even carry a pen knife to school. So.
2: Well, and you mentioned uh, earlier about uh, Regina talking about these helicopter pa- parents. And Ella and I have this conversation a lot, you know, about... Uh, her she has more grandchildren than I do. Uh, she and I went to high school together, dated in high school, didn't see each other for mm, 35 or more years and then got back together. And she she has more grandchildren than I do. But we talk about, and I, I talk about getting them out. Why aren't they outdoors more and all? She says, Steve, it's not safe for them to be out there uh, nowadays you know, uh, where we thought nothing of staying out where I lived till the streetlights came on. That was kind of our signal that we needed to get in inside, you know. But,
0: well, uh, until we led, until we got cars and stuff, uh, my brother and I both, uh, we thumbed all over the country. Hmm. You know, I don't think kids even know what thumbing is right now. We stood <laughs> out a long road stuff your thumb out and somebody pick you up and take you to town or wherever you wanted to go. And... Uh, I haven't
2: seen I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen any,
0: a kid out thumbing for no. I don't know a long time and I'm sure I'm sure you've thumbed your way oh, around
2: absolutely in fact, when I was in high school, I had a job at a grocery store it was about three miles out of town, and I would walk from the high school out to a uh, to this uh, main drag there I I think it was route three. And there was a drugstore there, and I'd stand on the corner, and I'd stick up my thumb. Somebody would pull me over, and that's how I got to work. I worked at a, a grocery store out there. So, <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I didn't worry about not getting to work because somebody would always stop and pick me up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> and, and
0: being a small town, Beavers probably about 7,000. Of course, I lived yep. in the country, but um, probably
2: 50% of the people knew you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, my town was a little bigger than that, but still, you know, it was it was pretty close knit as far as you know, people knew knew your family and whatnot. But uh, well, okay. Um, did you have siblings, uh, Lee? You had brothers, sisters, whatever.
0: I have one brother who's passed away, and That's I have a right. sister, and she's a retired Methodist minister.
1: Well, how about and, that? Uh, well, good for
0: she, her. Uh, she lives up in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. Hmm. Um, yeah, she has yeah. three children and great, great girl. Uh, oh, she awesome. and I. Well, she's very, yeah. very musically inclined, and uh, yeah, just uh, I, I was very fortunate. My brother and I got along great. Uh, hmm. We always, uh, I was his younger brother, and. Anyhow, he,
2: he put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, my uh, brother and I, there's only two of us, and we get along great, too. And he is a minister himself, and uh-huh. uh, his wife is a school teacher. She retired in the state of Virginia, but they live right along, not far from the West Virginia line. So she retired in Virginia and then went over and began working again in West Virginia. But uh-huh. – um, yeah, we've always got along great. He's the little brother. I'm eight years uh, older than he is. But, uh, oh. Well, what type of work did you do before you retired, Lee?
0: Well, all my life pretty much. I worked in a steel mill. I worked in a lead company. I worked in California when I was out there. I, I never in my life was I without a job, but uh, Dad had a garage and a service station. I started there when I was mm-hmm. 11 or 12 years old and Good. um all told even when i was home from the army i'd work i'd get up in the morning you know you get two weeks off or whatever they give you and uh, the first thing dad said what time are you coming to work <laughs> and um, uh so i worked yeah. there actually 47 years i guess wow. and uh, uh he had a garage and later on i bought the building next door and we had i had a body shop i bought the whole place when he was there he rented it but mm-hmm. uh so i still have that i rent them both out and uh there's always maintenance work and stuff to do there and then we have where we're at now i'm down in what they call the hall uh, and uh, we got the 42 acres here mostly woods um uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got about an acre or so of grass to mow, and there's always plenty of things to do around here. Our house is probably 150 years old. I told my wife one time, I said, Boy, I'd like to get something else. She said, Oh, she said, This house has so much character. And I laughed. I said, Yeah, it's a real character. All <laughs> 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 well, right.
1: We're happy
0: here. And, oh, and, yeah. uh, now that we're retired, uh, yeah. I think almost daily one of us will say it. This doesn't get much better than this, isn't you know, that great? Really hard. I went seven years one time without even a vacation. Wow. And, um, yeah. Well, I you, never had never had more than a week week off as it was in, in my life. But when I retired, it was, it's, it was a little uh, change of life because I was used to working all the time. Sure. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, uh, you know, we read a lot now about uh, people can't. Uh, you know businesses can't find people to work and i think once they you know um, took this government vacation because of this pandemic so many of them were nearing retirement age or or, or a bit older and they said well they just go ahead and retire and then there's so many that say well this government you know is going to pay me basically not to work and uh and also it, it there's a there's going to be a, a real shortage you know of workers but my point being and we need to get to this coon hunting thing because this is a coon hunters podcast and and that's what we want to talk about mainly but this other stuff is all good it is that you know there's a lot of value in hard work there i am grateful that i was raised in a family that said you get the work done first then you can play You know, yeah, Dad. I'd say, Dad, let's go fishing today. It's a great day. Be Saturday, he'd be off work. He'd say, Well, when we get the garden hoed and we get the car the uh, car greased (laughs) and this and that, there was always a a little something, some kind of work had to be done before we could play. But you know what? Uh, It didn't hurt me a bit. And I see kids, you know that Don't know how to do anything.
0: <laughs> I saw a funny thing. Well, that's the thing your dad taught you the same way with mine. Just,
2: uh, well, I saw a thing, oh, I guess it was on social media. This one of these uh, activists said, You know, we're going to start a revolution. And he <laughs> said, Yeah, right. You can't even start a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got All
2: that All right. right. Well, well we're, getting
0: back to the dogs. Right? Yeah. I started out uh, with the Beagles, and of course I was working this was after i come home from the Army. It'd been about nineteen sixty six to sixty seven and um the fellow across the street raced out. he owned a Dodge garage, and I had a service station right across the street from him and we'd get some slack time where he'd look over and wave to me, and I'd wave back to him and we'd run and jump in the truck and grab our beagles and go hunting. that meant that we <laughs> <laughs> you know but I, I was telling Ray I said you know I just I just can't seem to get enough, enough time off to, to hunt you I said I keep these beagles all year I said I'm getting out four or five times and uh, he said hey I didn't even know it. he said uh, why don't you come coon hunting with me tonight and uh, I, I got my first coon dog when I was just about 10 or 11 years old I traded a female puppy for it and Took it out, didn't know anything about coon hunting. My dad filled me in a little bit and so I went down behind the house with my red bone. I traded a good pup full, and with my two cell flashlight were down there and uh, I don't know, about eleven o'clock or something, I come up and dad was in bed and I said, Hey Dad, how how do you get a coon? And he said, Well, he said, The dog will stop at the tree and there'll be a coon up there. So back down I go again, I suppose it was about midnight, I come back up, and I told Dad, I said, uh, he hadn't stopped to no trees yet, I said, I don't know what's going on. So Dad, he got up and got dressed, he come down, he stood there for about three minutes, and he said, Lee, he said, don't you know what that dog's running? And I said, no, I just figured he's a coon dog, he'd be running a coon. And uh, he said, he's run the rabbit. He ain't doing a very good job of it. He turned around and <laughs> went back to bed. <laughs> so, uh, the mailman was the guy I got to, traded with. and uh, Ardell Montgomery. And Ardell came in the next morning to the garage. I said, Ardell, I don't like that dog. I said, I had a mountaineel tree, and he was a super nice guy. And he said, well, do you want to trade back again? I said, I sure do. So, I <laughs> traded back and got my beagle back again. But, uh, That was my first coon dog. And then always intrigued me. Guys would come in the garage, uh, coon dogs in the back of their Ford station wagon, fighting and barking and stuff at night. And I thought, boy, that'd be fun. But yeah, you know, I played football high school and I still had my beagles and I got out and went to California, come back, got drafted and I come home and I, and I, that's why Ray and I started coon hunting and first night I went out with them. We treat a couple of coons, he had a big dog called Thunder. And when we come home that night, I owned half of Thunder. I thought, Boy, this is this is it, boy. And this is what I've been looking for. What and, kind of um, dog
2: was he, Lee?
0: He was uh, half Bluetooth and half train walker. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the other thing, back in the day when we went to these hunts, there was way more registr grade dogs there than there were registered dogs. You know, yep. I never I never gave, my bigles were all great dogs. I never gave it a thought about papers and stuff. Didn't make the dog, really. But well, <clears> that yeah. was the first one, and, and Ray and I got to be really, really good hunting partners for a long time. And uh, actually, uh, I'm going to skip a lot of stuff here because we just could go on for days. But anyhow, he had bought Julie off of Ted Farshine. I wanted to buy Julie, and anyway, she wasn't doing anything much since she was a pup. And uh, so she was over there behind the garage, and I could hear her barking over and She was a mouthy dog, and anyhow, uh, Ray come over and I said, uh, "What are you going to do with Julie?" did said, "Want her?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "I want her, and Ted sold her to you." And I got go four hundred bucks in her. I said I'll give you four hundred. He said, "Well, why don't you just take her home when you when you go home for lunch?" I said, "Okay." But you know, I got her and I started hunting her, and she was as quiet around the pen as any dog you'd ever want. But that's how I got Julie. Now, is that and the he,
2: Logan's Wild Ju- Julie female? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Well, that was after that was my first good Walker dog was Logan's Wild Deuce, and uh, we got a lot of good dogs out of him. Um, uh, bred her, bred him to Lone Pine Joe a couple times, and maybe, probably, the best litter I ever had was out of her and old Deuce. Deuce, we got him down in West Virginia. He was uh, tied up on a hillside there, and his dog box was a TV uh, turned upside <laughs> down. That's what he lived in. And, uh, oh, geez, he was you're making one.
2: my state look bad here, Lee. <laughs>
0: Well, hey, uh, we have people like that in Pennsylvania. That's just the way they... Oh, course. He had coon dogs running all over the place. <laughs> and, uh, anyhow, yeah. that's how we got Deuce. Hardest-going, toughest dog that I've ever been in the woods with. And uh, Ted and I thought we were going to hunt him down. We hunted him 30 nights straight. Now, this was like from 8 or 9 o'clock at night to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And <clears throat> never... The only ones that was tired was Ted and I. and So I told Ted, I said, I'm going to run this bugger down. I'm going to take some of this smoke out of him. So I get on the hood of the truck, got a piece of clothesline, put old Deuce out in front of the truck. And Ted's driving. We're going down the road. Deuce put up with that for about 300 yards, and he stopped right in the middle of the road. And I (laughs) screamed, bloody murder, Ted. He put on the brakes and threw me out in the gravel about 50 feet. And uh, ran over Deuce, <laughs> and anyhow he got up off the road oh. with all that, with all that uh, clothesline on him, run down the woods about a half a mile and tree to Coon. He was all covered <laughs> with grease and everything else, but <laughs> he was tough. But
2: woo, uh, I don't think I've ever heard a story quite like, <laughs> like well, that. I can, tell, I can
0: tell you tons of them.
2: Well, what yeah. was Deuce out of? Do you remember?
0: No. Well, he went back to, way back with a lot of dogs, you know, right there in West Virginia. But yeah. uh, it has some banjo in them. Johnson's Banjo, heard of that dog, I'm sure. That was probably the yeah, only big-name <laughs> dog uh, in there. But uh, he produced uh, the first litter. Uh, litter. Well, actually, uh, we sold Ted and I sold them the first time we sold them. And I may have read this before, but we sold the three. Well, they were star, Blackie little Jill, Rip, and we sold them for over eleven thousand dollars. And that wow. was back. It's yeah,
2: a lot of money for coon dogs back in that
0: day. Really well, 70s. I sold a little Jill for six thousand. The guy I sold her to next year went down, won the Grand American with her. She was a tough dog, boy. And uh, so, anyhow, that was and that was the first litter of Walker dogs that I read I. Had an English dog, and I didn't. He was real good, but he never produced anything. I had a black and tan female called Queenie, who still holds a good place in my heart. And uh, but uh, they didn't produce anything. Uh, that litter there was the first. I said, "Boy, this is easy." I said, "Man, <laughs> you have a litter like that. And they all run and treat. Some of them really were good, you know." And I'm thinking, "There's nothing to this." Well. <laughs> Believe it or not, I found out <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. So, uh, not every litter turns out like that, but we did get some, we bred a, bred a deuce to her again, got some real good dogs and we bred deuce to Julie. Julie was out of Lone Pine, Joe and Finney River Dan. And, uh, we got some really good pups out of that and, uh, Julie produced really good, uh, I want to say something real quick here. I kept the line of dogs. My dogs were all called wild dogs. Wild Julie, wild Deuce, wild Dean, Casey. They were all wild dogs. I never owned a lone pine dog. A lot of the guys bred my dogs back into the lone pine dogs. But anyhow, my were all wild dogs or clover dogs. But there was several good literacy came along before clover came along, and uh, it was, uh, it's been a good good ride.
2: Uh, well, before we get into that exactly, I'd like to, we talked about Julie, and oh, a couple years ago or so, I did an article in American Cooner about hardwood bozo, and you know, if you look, uh, well, right now I happen to have a semen pup off a of track man. Uh, don't know what the jury's out on her. Uh, but at any rate, when you look at the pedigree on him, you know, there's there's two uh, crosses there, uh, uh, clover and patches. Now, we're getting a thunderstorm here in Florida. I don't know if you can hear that thunder in the background, so we, we may get interrupted here if we do. We'll come back when the storm's over. But at any rate, I talked to Jerry Norman, who recently has passed away. Oh, and I right? believe, did you know that?
0: No, I didn't know that. He called me not too awful long ago, well, six months ago, I guess.
2: All right well jerry our listeners should know you know owned bozo he bought him uh and and at the time that i believe did you bring julie down to georgia and breed to bozo
0: no uh, i bred bozo was trained by eddie jackson and vernon owens and uh that's where i hunted with bozo okay and they brought bozo up here um I can tell you a lot about Bozo. The biggest thing I liked about Bozo, I didn't like his white face, but he was tough. And I had to have a dog when I cut him loose. I didn't want to ever see him until they got treed, and he was pretty much in that. He didn't have the, he didn't have the, he had kind of a, I called a turkey chop mouth on him. Right. And I wasn't crazy, but you could hear him a long ways. And, um, there was a house's dog one night. We were down in the swamp down there in South Carolina. He just buried Bozo down under the water. And uh, anyhow, <laughs> old Bozo came back up spitting water and tree, and just like he did before, he got taken off the tree. And I had uh, he was a muscled up type dog, and that's that's really why I bred Julie to him. And I said, "Don't worry, Julie will pick up that mouth," and she did coverhead it. Super mouth. All those dogs had good mouths, but that's that's where uh, I hunted for Bozo long, long before Vernon sold them, and uh, mm-hmm. then a couple times I bred two or three times to them. Don Shalings had them out in Missouri. I shipped Julie uh, out to Missouri, and, and uh, we bred, but uh, we we had some good pups out of that. a line of dogs, going really, by the females. If, if you don't have that good female in there, uh, I I just, it's so, so important. Uh, I know a lot of guys used to have uh, brood females and stuff, but well, most of the time they couldn't treat a coon. They were right. breeding for pups and stuff. And uh, the other thing you want to do is a family of dogs. <clears throat> Try to find a good family um because one thing that i've learned over the years and, and guys that are bred a lot uh, lots of times the pups are more like their grandparents than they are their mother and dad and uh, so you, you want to know as much about the dogs as you can before you breed to them and then it's then it's a little bit of a crap shoot but um uh, The other thing is, depends on who gets the pups. Some, some of these guys can win the world hunts and all this stuff, but they, they, they're not real good at training pups. And then there's guys that can train dogs and get them going, but they, they're not good at running the hunts. So, uh, it just a lot depends on who gets those dogs and what they do with them. So.
2: Well, Lee, okay. you and I agree on an awful lot of things. And, of course, we've talked, you know, around the hunts and and all. And I've followed you uh, for many years. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, about the family of dogs, about how the grandparents tend to influence the pups more so than the parents. Um, all of these things, you know. Uh, are when you hear them I mean you believe those things and then you hear somebody with your experience it it brings validation to the things that that I've always believed and thought myself so it's good to hear you say those things uh, what okay let's talk about um, probably your most famous dog in history.
0: Well, my most famous yeah. dog. And uh, he started pretty pretty easy. Uh, at first, well, I had three kitten coons and I had apple orchards there and I turned them all loose and turned him loose. Of course, apple trees aren't very big. And uh, he started chasing them around, got a hold of a couple, and then they got away from and run up the tree and I'd run over and grab them and throw them out. And that's that's how I got them treeing. And then uh, we had a lull there for a while, and then one night I had him out with Julie, who was his mother, and uh, she went down along the creek and treed. I turned turned them both loose together, and I'm sitting at the tree, and there's no clover, no clover. I said, holy smokes, how could this dog be so dumb? <laughs> so I waited a long time, and it wasn't a very big tree. I thought, I'll just shake that coon out when clover gets here. Well... He never got there. Now I'm a little upset. I take Julie back, put her in a truck, still no clover. I walked around the front of the club, and there's like a, a, a V there hall went one way, or was there's old Clover, he's up the other he's <laughs> he's up the other hall, a tree by himself. And um, <laughs> boy, I was fired up and I, I grabbed a gun and I said, "Boy, I'm, I'm going to send Julie up there, shore him up a little bit." Cause I don't know. Was the first coon he ever killed. T- I don't know how long he stayed there or anything. I think I got there about the same time Julie did, and I was moving. <laughs> Anyhow, up there and the wind's blowing. It was a big oak tree, and I seen the coon. And I tied clover up and tied. I always tied dogs up, and I'm going to shoot the coon out. And I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. And anyway, <laughs> the coon's moving around. Back and forth, I must have shot a half a box of shells. <laughs> and finally, I hit the coon, knock it out, and look over. Clover's, he's almost like he has his paws over top of his head. I <laughs> scare him to death, you know. And uh, he um, never, I'd never shot around him or anything. So, anyway, uh, he finally went over and smelled a little bit. So, I grabbed Julie and I thought, well, I'm send him down. That coon probably come down. We'll put them on another hot track. We'll clear up on top of the mountain, and this was a mountain. Old Julie tree. I didn't hear Clover. I said, "Now where's he at?" Well, lo and behold, a couple seconds or minutes later, old Clover started a tree with her, and uh, that was.
2: That was the start for him.
0: That, that was when we really got started with him, and. Um,
2: About how old was he then?
0: Oh, when he first treated those little ones, he was you know probably. Six, seven, eight months old, mm-hmm. and he was probably a little over a year old when he yeah. treated his first coon by himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, back in those days, it was just, I don't know, a lot of the old guys didn't even start dogs till they was two years old. Yeah, so,
2: uh, you know, we anyhow. hear that so much from the older guys here, and I know the young people probably think, "What? You know, why? Who would keep a dog that long?" But that was just the yeah. uh, the common common practice, wasn't? It?
0: But then and it, wasn't, it wasn't all easy sledding. You know, I mean, he was a typical dog. He made mistakes. He, one thing I can say about Clover and Julie and a lot of them, I never had Clover on a bad track in his life. Uh, the closest thing i seen, I was going to the Pennsylvania State Championship, and he was pretty young. He was probably 15, 14 months old. And it was real moonlit night, and I could see him. And I walked up to, it was like pavilions, it was like a park, and uh, he's walking along real slow, and uh, I said, what the heck's going on? So I kind of eased over there, and I looked, and it was a skunk. <laughs> it was walking up there, and he's about 10 feet behind it, and he's just following it along, looking at it, <laughs> oh boy. So I hollered at him, and he came over to me, and that, that's about as close as I ever saw him to run junk in his life. And the mm. big thing it was, I had them all cleaned up because I, I showed Clover in the bench, you know. And uh, yeah, I thought, boy, we'll be showing him on the bench if that skunk gets him. But anyway, it didn't get him, and I went on to the state championship, and he did win the whole bench show. Uh, he was a real nice bench dog. You could just stand him up and stand back. And uh, Describe
2: person, what he looked kunk- like,
0: Lee. Pardon me?
2: Describe what he looked like. I've seen pictures.
0: What clover looked like? He had a black head. Yeah. Black spots. He had a clover on one side. He didn't have a tick on him. He was a muscled-up dog. uh, And he had good feet. Nice chest on him. He was a nice hound-looking dog. Uh, um, I could have finished him in the grand on a bench, but I never did. I just... uh,
2: did Julie have that clover look to her? Is that where he got that? Or? No,
0: she didn't. She, she uh, was redheaded. Mm-hmm. And uh, she didn't show a muscle in her whole body, uh, either did Lone Pine Jill or her mother. A little bit swayed back. Uh, and and like old Jill and her both, they never got tired. You wouldn't think... Uh, they could go as hard and as long as you could hunt them all night long. And the last crew, and they'd be treeing on it and everything just as good as the first one. Uh always amazed me but, yeah. uh they were tough dogs. And uh, What kind of track, really track dogs were they? Did, uh,
2: did they really move a track or did they kind of straddle the track? How did they trail? Oh,
0: they, I wouldn't. I, if they didn't move a track, they weren't at my house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I the dog better run with his head in the air. Oh, yeah. and now you mentioned that. Here's, here's Ted, who, yeah, he's a big fisherman now. He is, lives up in Asheville, right off of Lake Erie. But uh, he called here around Christmas time, and we were talking. He said, Lee, he said, do you ever remember a dog getting a tree in front of Julie in a night hunt? And I said, no, never. And uh, I said, how about you blowing pine, Jill? He said, nah. They never dog go to a tree in front of them, and all the hunts I had them in. He said, "Now they might tree one off by themselves, but if they run running the same track, the mm. dogs just did not get a tree mm-hmm. in front of them, uh, and they didn't." Uh, just uh, and the, the big thing was, and even like Clover, Clover was a real quick tree dog, you know, accurate tree dog. Back in the day, uh, you know, we were hide hunting and stuff. We hunted in the mountains. I had a camp up in the Allegheny Mountains, and that's where we hunted. He uh, didn't climb a mountain or something but it was a creep, tree. Well, just uh, I, I just would never put up with it. And nowadays, it seems like guys uh, you know, seem to put up with it more. I, I don't. Even the dogs I have nowadays, they must have a coon. Or I better. I mean, I can't say that they're. 100%, but buddy, they better be up at least 90%. You know? Right. Uh,
2: yeah, um, that can be very, very disappointing.
0: Uh, well, you hunting in West Virginia, did you go to many slick trees no, with your dad? You,
2: no, no. And, you know, that that was just something we didn't think about. Right. You know, guys would jokingly say, oh, that's a, a, that's a lion coon dog, you know, if he slick tree. But you didn't see it much. It was just something more or less almost Those like dogs, a fit. your
0: dogs and stuff when when they treed, you loaded the gun. Yeah. You did
2: yep. you didn't think the only thing you thought about when I was a kid and, and a young man hunting in the mountains, in the early part of the year our season always came in about the fifteenth of October. And the, there would be a lot of leaves on the trees. And those mountain, those oaks back up on top of those big mountain ridges, you know, would be real tall at times and all. And your only worry was being able to see the coon. Uh, yeah. And we carried a shotgun a lot of times. Uh, because if you got a glimmer of an eye, that might be all you get. And then you couldn't find him anymore. So early in the season, you know, we would carry a shotgun with number four yep. shot in it. And my dad said anything less than that, he called it fuzz them up. He said that'll just fuzz them up. You want to knock them out, you got to have number fours.
0: Well, up at Allegheny Mountain, brought a lot of pine trees up there. And yeah. what we learned, if you usually want to clear the top of the tree and come down about three or four feet, Mm-hmm. And you throw a couple shots up in there, right there, nine times out of ten, that's where the coon yeah. was, and he'd look. Yeah. <laughs> you
2: using the hand grenade approach, kind of. <laughs> Just toss it up there and see. Yeah, what...
0: it's a shame we didn't know each other, earlier. we'd had a lot of fun hunting together.
2: Oh, I mean, that. I, I can.
0: Nowadays, and guys, guys will tell you to hunt with me, I'll bet you in the last ten years, I probably haven't shot out four or five coons. Right. Uh, and guys will say, I don't know where you train that dog. Get, I said, Hey, if I had started when I was a kid, I had beagles. And I said, I can remember shooting a rabbit, and them dogs would jump over that rabbit and keep right on going and find another one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> lots and lots of rabbits I shot, those beagles never even saw them and they never missed a start. I said, If I have to shoot every coon to keep that dog trained and stuff, I said, I, I'm He's. He's on the long, wrong lead strap, I said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I pet him up. I want a dog trees tree spoons for me, and um, mostly these dogs I've raised, most of them do that. So,
2: well, you know, I get a lot of mail through just messages and text messages and things like that from younger hunters, and they have questions. they getting into the sport, and I guess they just figure, since I'm old, I ought to know something, but... <laughs> you know, I, I try to tell them about this thing of killing all these coons and how it can actually, if you plan to hunt this dog in competition, it's it's detrimental, you know. And, and we don't need to go into all the reasons here, but, you know, I, I went through. I, you know, as hunters, w- when we're kids, we want to kill everything we see. Absolutely. You know, that's the first stage. Count numbers, you know. Uh, I was talking on a a Facebook page the other day with some fishermen, and they were arguing which is better, fly fishing or spinner fishing, and yada, yada, yada. And the guy saying, well, I'll fish downstream from you with my spinner, and I'll catch all the big ones, and you can clean up the little ones when you come. And I said, well, two things are wrong with that statement. I am a fly fisherman. I don't keep numbers i don't fish to keep them i just turn them loose the second thing is i always fish upstream so we're gonna be a long way apart but Uh the point i'm making is you know when i was a kid if there was a gray squirrel in my county i had his number (laughs) and i was gonna try to kill him now my yard here is absolutely full of them they're running over top of me and i wouldn't kill one for it you know although right. the guys do have fun with their squirrel dogs and i know that and it's just too thick down here to enjoy that but uh well listen talk about clover a little bit about what type of dog okay, he well, was clover? yeah yeah let's let's go uh, hunting with clover for a minute all
0: right clover is a hard hunting dog he was didn't come back unless you well, he just didn't come back. He'd create coon. I don't care where he turned the moose. He might have to go a long ways. And uh, I sold Clover when he was about uh, three years old. I'd made him a bench champion. I had a couple, couple wins on him. And I sold him to Bill Carter in West Virginia, Clarksburg. And uh, anyhow, Gary Davis ended up with him. And uh, Tony Davidic. Or David Duck, he pronounced it two different ways. He was hunting, he, he hunted them for Gary and, and Tony. He come around to me at a uh, little Washington hunt. I said, How's Clover doing? He said, Well, he's a heck of a dog, but he said, uh, I've been getting slick trees with him. I said, uh, You shooting every coon you tree? He said, Yeah. I said, We'll quit killing coons to him and see what happens. I saw Tony about a month later. I said, How's Clover doing? He said, He's a grand night champion. And um, <laughs> he uh, quit doing coons to him. He said he just got too fired up. And
1: uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So then later on, Tony and I got to hunting uh, an awful lot together. And, uh, right. Anyhow, Gary thought Clover was getting too old. But Clover was, uh, when I bought him back, I think he was, I saw him when he was three. I bought him back when he was six or close to six, and some boys, Gary thought he was getting too old, and he sold some boys in South Carolina who I knew, and uh, anyway, I called them, and uh, at that time, I knew what Clover was producing, When Gary had them down there. I took Jeanie, who was his aunt down, and that's where, you know, the rest of these good dogs come from, and anyhow, they said, he's ruining our young dogs, and I said, how's that? He said, well... He just goes deep, and they go with him, and we're chasing him around. Or I said, "What do you want for him?" And they said, a "Couple thousand dollars." And I pop I said, "Uh, meet me at Whitworth, Virginia." So I jumped in the truck and met them in Whitworth, and I got Clover back. And uh, first night I had him out, Ted was with me, and Clover wasn't trained just quite right. Ted knew Clover about as well as I did, and he said, "You better take Clover home and clean his ears." He had one ear that if he didn't stay with it it, i don't know but you could tell right away when it was bothering him because he didn't tree as hard and uh, so anyhow messed around with clover for a while and uh, we bred him got some pups had a lot of fun tony uh i don't know i wasn't hunting him in any hunts tony had granted him out and tony said uh I'd like to take him to once we take. I'd like to hunt him. He said, well, we take a four old hunt. I said, "Yeah, okay." So he took Tony Clover down there and hunted them. And anyway, he took a place in the world hunt with him. And
1: <laughs>
0: when Jerry uh, was running night heat, and that was back when you hunted what four or five nights. And uh, so anyhow, the semifinals, he threw night heat Jerry, and. Uh, I saw Gary and he said that old SOB that he beat me. <laughs> I said, I thought you said he was too old. He said, I thought he was. <laughs> but Clover he beat night and he could most of the time.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Gary Davis is a guy I miss talking to. Always had a lot of fun when I was around Gary, quite a character.
0: Uh, one one thing about Clover was and and even Tony will tell you this, he said one thing about him he said you could hear him way in there he said when he gave that locate he said i treat that burger most of the time before he was done locating yeah he said he'd just give you a long draw it out locate and he said you could just put him on the wood because he wasn't moving and he'd have the coon
2: well for the record uh both night heat and uh clover were out of out of bozo so Diff, different different moments yep for sure but
0: um uh, I told Clover, we went, I took him by myself. I went out to Walker Days. I hunted them. the Lee Crawford hunt, 81 won that. And I put him in the front seat of the truck and rode home with me. I had to get home. My wife, my former wife was showing the Lost Ponies. I also showed the Lost Ponies. She had a big show, so I had to get home for that. But I put him in the front seat riding along. I said, he was seven then, I think. And I told him, I said, that's your last hunt, buddy. You don't have to hunt no more. It just plays your hunt from here on out. And uh, so we must around. And the guy was a game warden. It was a deputy game warden lived on the road. He'd hear me going hunting. And he finally came over and wanted to hunt with me. And so anyhow, there was an ACHA World Qualifier, and I was running quick. Then. And um, he said, uh, could I run clover now?" that? Yeah, go ahead. And um, that was the last Hunt Clover. Was, he won the whole hunt with him, and Bob Bob hardly even knew him. And uh, he he drew out with a guy that was a friend of mine, and Old Clover went in there and treed. And Jack turned around to Bob and he said, uh, "Are you going to treed that dog or what?" <laughs> Bob didn't even know what was going on. Bob, yeah, <laughs> treed him. <laughs>
1: well, it was good. He was among friends. Was
0: huh? But um, yeah, then he passed away when he's down at Tony's. Uh, Tony had Tony's clover, and he was breaking him in as a pup, and he called me he said, Hey, could I have clover down here? And I said, you know, Sure. I said, What do you need? And he said, well, I'm, I want him to run, run this young dog of mine with he, his clover. And I said, Yeah, go ahead. So he uh, I'd say the dog probably had a heart attack because Tony called, and he said, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, just bury him. But he, uh he, I said, was he out at the end of the chain or what? He said, no, he was curled up in the box. And he said, one of the pups I have running around here was curled up in there with him. He said, the pup ran out and Clover was gone. He said, so I said well, he must have died in a sleep or something. He was only maybe 10. i no. 10 years old. But no. um Anyhow, a lot of people don't realize this. Dover had 180-some pups, but he only had less than 100 permanently registered. Now, that was back and I heard Don Whip talk about this. We had that parvo, didn't know anything about it. I lost a lot of pups out of him to the parvo, and uh, hadn't been for that, he'd had over his 100 pups in. But uh, if you look at the record, somewhere over 30%, uh, I have never figured it up myself, but two or three people have told me this. They figured it up, but over thirty percent of all his dogs are either night champions or grand nights, and um, that's uh, that's saying a lot. And,
2: uh, well, it certainly is, and uh, you know, uh, I'll tell our our listeners here. It was in nineteen ninety five that the Tree and Walker Breeders and Fanciers Association. Uh, elected uh, Logan's Wild Clover into the Trine Walker Hall of Fame. But that wasn't the only dog that you have in the Hall of Fame.
0: Uh, Julie, Jeannie, Clover, Casey. I think there's five of them. I can't can't remember. Uh, Wild Card was up. He should have went in, but uh, a lot of people didn't know him. As much uh, mm-hmm. a couple of the best dogs I've ever owned without a wild card, I took wild card out to Brian's Uh, a Brian. hey, Casey dog, West was wild Casey, of course, yeah, I had him and um, Joey
2: Tony's wild Joey. Joey. Let's talk about her just a minute. 1993, okay, I'll, tell you, yeah. I'll tell
0: you real quick out of Genie and Cobra. That's what they were out of. Well, as well, Casey was the best male out of most of them, all of them, as a matter of fact. And Joey was the best female out of Old Clover, those two right there. Now, I had two Grand Knights out of, they were sisters to that, and they were awful, awful good dogs, but i tell you what, Joey was just, you know, there's those little special ones, like, you know, and she was, Tony brought her up here. He made her a night champion. And he said, I don't know if this dog's worth, uh, finishing out or not. He said, why don't you run her for a while? So I I took her to a hunt. I'll never forget it. And uh, Bessemer, And she just blew those dogs out. It was just unmerciful. And I called Tony on the phone. I said, buddy, you better jump on this one and jump on her hard. Because I said, she's one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, he came come up and got her story went on he finished her out but she was just a really really good coon dog and uh, uh, proud to uh, say I had with her
2: well that's another and one Casey
0: that... T- Casey was one of the smartest ones Tony's clover was real good but Casey truthfully I liked it a little bit better and uh, there was a lot of them. Uplinger Joe you probably heard of him and
2: uh, oh yeah of course
0: Uh, Clover's Emmy. it just it just goes on and Uh on and and just uh, you look at some of these dogs now uh, you mentioned one earlier what was that Uh, you look at it it goes back to uh, Lone Pine Patches Lone Pine Patches I raised her and trained her he was uh, Clover's full sister litter mate right and uh, Hardwood Bozo I gave her to Jerry Norman and J.W. Barnes is a pup and that uh, yeah, was another fool that I made, full brother and sister to Clover. So, I mean. I,
2: yeah, you meant there that the pup out of Bozo and Julie was the one that you gave away, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hardwood Logan was, and of course, I gave him to Jerry Norman and J.W. Barnes. And I never hunted with Jerry. J.W. came up hunting. he was a super nice guy. And, yeah,
2: um, J.W. did the hunting for Jerry, I believe. Uh, they were partners on, on bozo. Oh so,
0: anyway, that was, uh, yeah. I never really had to go on clover too much of anything. Like I said, uh, he was uh, pretty much naturally straight. I could tell you real quick why I got mad and sold him. If a dog embarrassed me, and he did one night, he was young, and we were in a, Way up in the mountains of the night hunt, and he treat a coon. I was winning the cast, but the dogs all treed no cobra, and walked in, and they had a porcupine tree. And I looked around, and he's cockroaching around out there about twenty yards away. <laughs> and uh, so, anyhow, uh, they got mine. He was registered then, so. We, we turned loose again same thing happened again them dogs are all treed and they the had and clover's cockroaching around and I just scratched him I said just take him out of the hunt tethers with me and it was a big long mountain off west hip it was up the Alledanny mountain the chet said what are you going to do I said uh, well you could start up it was a dirt road I said you just put clover out in front of the truck and uh, I killed six or seven coons to him before I got to the top of the mountain. And uh, I said, "That butter. And then the guys come along and wanted to buy them. And I, the heck with it. I sell them. I had Quick at the time, too. So I sold him. And, uh, and Quick let me down at, the, at a hunt. Walker Days, I had it one. And he created the end of the hunt. And the judge told me, he said, there's a tight fence up there and I said, Well he's gone through four or five fences already tonight, so I drunk and treed him out my first strike and tree on and heaved on one side of the fence and the other dog was across the fence on the tree with a coon. I lost four hundred points real quick and I lost Walker Days. I come home, I sold him to Jimmy Samples. So uh, Yeah,
2: there's a name that I uh, used to see at the hunts all the time and haven't heard much out of it.
0: I haven't heard too much from Jimmy either.
2: Uh, well, let's talk about Quick a little bit. He's another dog that comes up a lot on pedigrees and discussions and all. Uh, yeah, what, what was, was he never, out he was of? In, yeah.
0: Yeah, he was never bred a whole lot, although he had some pretty nice dogs out of him. Quick, um, a little, little bit different than Clover. Clover was real independent. Uh, if the dogs went with Clover. He was fine. If they didn't, he didn't bother going to another dog too much. Where quick was, he'd go do a thing. But if he wasn't doing anything and another dog was doing something, he he'd cover him. And uh, he was uh, he was a nice dog. I I uh, hard hunt no, I beautiful locate on him and pressure. Uh, he'd stand pressure tree and uh, never had much trouble. Uh, I never had any trouble with him or clover either one as far as being rough around the trees clover would stay there he'd just keep backing up and backing up guy said i not how would you break them dogs i said well i had two females we had lone pine jill here and julie and i said those females would show those young male dogs where they were supposed to be on a tree real quick and uh <laughs> they did I've, I've thought several times some dogs are maybe a little bit rough, and I thought, boy, I wish I had Julie here. She'd straighten that dog out in a hurry. But uh, they um, never had any trouble with them. Uh, you know, he, uh, uh, I, Tony, Tony called me and he said, Jimmy Samples is looking for a dog. Uh, I said, he said, with yourself, quick. I said, yeah. So Jimmy took him down there today. said, I'd like to have a two weeks trial. I said, you got it and a pretty good price. And uh, he had him one day and he called me on the phone. And he said, I'll take him. And I said, how'd you do? He said, he treated 13 coons last night. I said, okay. I said, you sure? He said, I'm positive. <laughs> he said, he said, just cash that check I gave you. So uh, Jimmy knew what kind of a, a dog
2: oh absolutely. Well, Lee, uh, interrupt you here. I apologize. Uh, quick was bred a little different.
0: Quick was out. Of, quick was out of Wagner's quick and Julie. He was Clover's half brother. I went down hunting with Bobby Wagner one night, and uh, the guy that went with me when he didn't get out of the truck. And I saw old Quick tree a couple coons that night. We hunted till three o'clock in the morning. Now, I wouldn't breed Julie till I, she was in heat. I had her with me, but I wanted to see that dog go first. And we came back in and bred him Went to bed about three thirty, four o'clock. Mrs. Wagner had breakfast on the table at five thirty. <laughs> <laughs> we got up to breakfast, and Bob went to work, and I drove home. So
2: yeah, uh, the life of a coon hunter.
0: Uh, lots and lots and lots. Yeah. I'd take off. I said I went seven years without a vacation. I'd take off on a Thursday night, and you know, go to a big hunt, and then drive like mad Sunday to get home so I could open up the garage Monday morning. Never thought anything of it. I don't think I could do it now, but uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure with your travels, you did a lot of the same. You traveled probably way more than most people. So
2: yeah, I logged a few miles over the years. Yeah, and. It, and- when I was younger, I used to really enjoy, even though I couldn't hunt when I was with UKC, they didn't let me hunt in the night hunts then. It was a little different at PKC or AKC, but but still, I'd walk along on the cast. You know, I couldn't, dark came, even though we had been working all day and, and, and talking to people and, and, you know, drawing the cast and all that stuff. When those trucks started rolling out of the fairgrounds at the clubhouse, man, my feet got... Itchy, real quick. I had to go, so I'd yep. walk along on a cast, you know, when I should have been home and bed or back at the hotel. But that's what you do when you're a coon hunter. Well, Lee, tell me this. Let's talk about a a couple little things here before uh, before I leave this all together. Do you have a favorite over the years? A favorite hound that if you could get him him or her. I thought
0: I right? thought about I thought about that a million times, Steve. But I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm really lucky. You see some guys talk about that one good dog they we had. Well, I, I, I told Regina last night, I said, I, I, there's about 10 or 12 of them. I, it wouldn't make any difference which one it was. I'd be just tickled to death to have them back.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and that uh, that certainly speaks to your, your breeding program and the fact that you're a hunter. There's no substitute for hunting a dog. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, 100%. Jeannie, out of Riverbend Flag, and uh, Lone Pine Jill, one of the hardest ones I had to get going. And I'm not saying she had more ability than the rest of them, but she and I just, she always rode in the front seat with me. And uh she just, uh, she was just a real, I really, really liked her, uh, but uh, I don't think she had the, quite the ability Clover had, or maybe even Quick, uh, some of the other ones. Julie was awful good. Uh, but, you know, somehow, I can't explain it, but you get, uh, you just have a rapport with a dog. And uh, even though she, I sent her up to New York to a little guy by the name of Brian Post when she was a pup, I couldn't get her to a tree. And, uh, he called me and said, Lee, he said, want me to shoot this dog? It was the last pup out along you." And I said, no, nah, no, nah, I gave him a new wheat light for Hunter. He said, Lee, he said, I, I skinned over 100 coons. He said, that dog was every one of them. He said, I never heard her open up on a track. I never heard her give a bark at a tree. So I went up and got her and brought her home. And I have a longtime friend. He, uh, he's from West Virginia. And has the patience of go, and I told Charlie, I said, Charlie, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you get that dog a tree. All summer, I kept taking over bags of dog feed. I finally told him, I said, this is the last bag, Charlie. I said, if you don't get her to tree, I said, we are just going to shoot her. And uh, he said, Lee, he said, hey, I've hunted the most of all your dogs. He said, she's the smartest dog you've probably ever had. And I said, oh, she's so smart, how come she ain't tree? And he said, I don't know. But he said, just give me time. So he called, I don't know how much later, and he said, she's traying. I said, what'd you do? Get a little of this. He had a little single stall garage there. He put a feed pan. And he put a coon in a cave and a rope up over the rafters and put the coon right above the feed pan. And he put her in there with water. She was either going to starve to death or she was going to have to move that coon and stuff out of there to eat. And uh, only Charlie would think of something like that. Well, his son come running in a day or so later and said, "Dad, you better come to the garage. There's something really bad going on out there." And so (laughs) he he opened the garage door and he said, "There was Jean. She was just beating that pen from one wall to the other, (laughs) swinging back and forth, and she was hanging on the on the cage." And uh, that's how he got her going. And uh, then. I gave him a hundred bucks. I get the dog back. I take her out. She does the exact same thing. She get the tree, never say anything. I said, I called Charlie. I said, Charlie, this dog ain't treeing. He said, well, I'll, I'll be over. So he'd come over. You know, Charlie come over and that dog (laughs) tree. So anyhow well I always thought McDonald's he said i get her a hamburger or something he said when she trees I said well if I got a dog I gotta buy a McDonald's hamburger for I said they ain't (laughs) staying here and uh, so anyhow Ted and I were hunting one night it was real moonlit and we'd treat a coon she did the same thing and I'm leading her and I'm way in front of him I'm pretty upset and I'm putting her in the truck and I turn around and I look up the road Ted's walking and behind him I seen a coon go across the road I grabbed her and I grabbed a gun and uh, I'm passing Ted Ted's story going I said we're going to either treat this coon or this dog's going to die tonight right here I took her up there I turned her loose she struck that coon and treated it I went down shot it out he was my dog going out
2: <sighs> wow and that was the uh, which female was that
0: that was the genie girl. genie yeah she got a a Julian Riverbend flag, so. and one of my all-time favorites.
2: So. Yeah. Right. Well, you give me hope because I've got one right now that's acting just about like she was before uh, Charlie gave her the ca- cage treatment. <laughs> <So Yeah. laughs> maybe there's hope.
0: <laughs> I've told that story a million times, I tell you, but it's still...
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so have you enjoyed training pups through the years?
0: Oh, I don't think there's anything any better than to take, well, something that you you raised and uh, see them go out, uh, treat their first coon and watch them get better. I don't think there's anything better than that. Uh, It's just, uh, at my age now, I have a female up here now that, Probably reminds me more of my old dogs <clears throat> than any dog I've had for a good while, and she'd be a lot better if I was younger and could hunt her a little bit harder. But she's got a big mouth, super locate on her, and yeah. uh, she's never given me any <clears throat> junk trouble or anything. She's black and white and no ticks oh, yeah. on her. And um, she, sounds
2: like your style.
0: She's two years She'll be two years old in November.
2: Does she but, go uh, back to any of these old dogs?
0: She goes back to uh, <coughs> Russell's Wild Casey a couple yeah. times, who's yeah. out of clover. Uh, goes back to Tony's clover. Uh mm-hmm. has a little bit of Stallish clover in her. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, she's, she's got them all. She's got them all. So probably more in her than any dog I've had for a while. I really like her. What she was was a seaman. I, she's out of wild card, And yeah. I, I owned a seaman. I had it at Dean's place out there in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Well, he passed away. And anyway, Dean I got a yeah. took, took it to little Washington. And, uh, to make a long story short, I got three pups. I had a female that was uh night champion, real good female. And, uh, she she would clover Cloverbred too, uh, you know. We inseminator and everything it cost me a thousand bucks, and I owned the female, I owned the semen and time. You know, you get everything shipped in and stuff. Uh, and I got one pump. I yeah. had three pumps. Two of them didn't make it, and uh, so I got and that's what I have up there right now. And actually, Daryl Moore and Lee McCandless, and I we all own her together. Daryl and I put the money in and. Lee, he he raised her. I got her started, and then Lee took her up there and got her going a heck of a lot better. He's a young young fellow, hunts real hard, um, helped me out an awful lot. And uh, my buddy Daryl, who I hunted with for years, he had a stroke, so he's he's getting around good. But you know, you've seen like over the years, I've had guys that hunted with me for fifteen years, and they quit. Uh, of course. Like Larry, he passed away. Um, it just seems like uh, pretty hard to find anybody that's dedicated their whole life to it, uh, if, you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I can you certainly identify. You have, uh, yeah. for sure. Well, I have,
2: for- yeah, I, I, I can identify with what you're saying for sure, Lee. And, and just recently, you know, I decided, well, you know, you go through that at my age, uh, saying, well, is it time to quit? You know, and of course, no. I can still walk to the trees. I'm not going to be climbing those steep mountains. I hope, but well, uh, you know, I I go to Arkansas every fall, and I go different places. Up, you know, up to Michigan and up to Pennsylvania. Right. They're probably not too far from you. And and you know, and you go through this is where you know is it time to kind of hang this up and just be a spectator or just uh, whatever. But I've been fortunate to find younger guys that you know I set up partnerships with them on dogs. And we got a couple projects right now. One's a walker, one's a plot, and they're the same age. And and you know, uh, so it's letting me be involved in sport that I you know otherwise probably couldn't do right now. And especially
0: fortunate well, right now, I have. Uh... I told you, to leave McCandless, and mm-hmm. I. You don't know this. I hunt with a guy his name is John Shetler. Did you ever hear the name of John <laughs> Shetler before?
1: Indeed, well, I have. have.
0: He happens to have blue ticks. <laughs> oh my! But he he's a super guy. He helps me out all the time. We hunt mm-hmm. two or three nights a week. Uh, his boys. He's got a boys well, got five boys, but even his grandchildren come along and hunt with us, and sometimes oh. I, it's very pleasurable. Oh
1: uh, yeah.
0: And he goes to big hunts with me. Um, and the only thing is, i i need I need a driver sometimes. You know, if you get old, if you get tired of driving. But oh they, yeah, you got to get them old
2: enough with the driver's license, Lee.
0: <laughs> well, the Amish, the Amish don't drive.
2: Oh, that's right, that's right.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, well, he did one night. Uh, I, go ahead. I shouldn't tell this, but anyway, I was way in there following this dog and. And John stayed at the truck, and man, I went through the square into the next square, and the dog found a tree, I thought, oh, man, how in the world, boy, I got, and it was tough. It was just flat country, but it was a lot of bars and stuff I went to, and I said, man, oh, man, I got to get all the way back. And I looked, I could see this truck coming down the road, and it pulled right up and stopped, you know. I walked down, and it was my truck. And uh it was John. <laughs> John said, no, I figured you'd appreciate me driving your truck around. <laughs> I said, I didn't think you almost drove. He said, Well, in a case like this, he said, I, I know how to drive. So <laughs> anyhow.
2: Oh yeah. Well listen, if we if we could turn back the clock, and I know you and I both probably I can't speak for you, but I certainly would like to. Uh your pleasure hunting or your competition hunting if you were young enough to do as much of either one that you wanted which would you enjoy more
0: hmm, that's a tough one <laughs> i enjoyed them both yeah because you meet a lot of really nice guys
1: oh yeah
0: over the years i'd hate to give up either one of them yeah. and i had a lot awful lot of awful lot of fun pleasure hunting uh mm-hmm. i really think that the hunt's I don't really like the way they're going right now, but if you stop and think back, I think the hunts have improved and kept the sport going uh, more so than, than if you wouldn't have the ability to go look at different dogs and find out about different dogs. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can find, of course, your magazines help helped us out a lot, and of course, now a lot of everything's on the internet, but uh, one thing I wanted to say real quick, I know we're spending a lot of time here but
2: that's all right.
0: uh, I'm not uh, I'm not tickled to death with the way uh, UKC's uh, running their hunts now uh, you have to win a few uh, casts to make the dog a night champion, grand mm-hmm. night champion you know back in the day I worked hard, I, I don't know how many night champions, grand nights, probably pushing up around 30 maybe but mm. over 20 for sure when I made a dog a night champion or a grand night champion, I felt that I'd accomplished something. I was proud of myself. Uh, right. It was a lot of work. And, and you can remember where I made a lot of them, Clover and Jeannie and Julie and all of them, those those were all three-hour hunts. You yep. know. And uh, it, it kind of had to be kind of tough to do it. We used to do that, and then I can remember— getting out of the clubhouse at 3 or 3.30 in the morning and go down the road a couple miles, and somebody pull the truck over and say, well, might as well hunt till daylight? I and mean, did that lots of times. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, and he went to hunt. We left We 1 o'clock. We did the clubhouse at 1 o'clock. The bench show was early, and he had a tree-in contest. It was a whole day. Now... <laughs> If you pull in a 10-minute state and register the dog and hunt for an hour or half an hour or whatever, they and go home, you know, just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think what I'd really like to see is, I'd like to see UKC back up a little bit. You should have to have at least one first place to make a dog a night champion and at least one first place to make him a grand Uh I could be well I could be way out of things but uh, that, that's, I I just had a lot of a compliments, uh that I was able to do that and I don't feel that it's that much of a deal anymore. So and mm-hmm. then now uh I just talked to one of my friends it was a hunt last weekend. It used to be a pretty good hunt. I said he and he won he said, oh, I won my cash. i got another win. I said how many dogs is there, he said. Well it was six registered, and two night champions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know and I know, we used to go hunts and 50 to 60 dogs. Oh, and yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot of other people say the same thing, but uh, I don't know. I just felt like I accomplished much more uh, back in the day. I know UKC can't <clears throat> register, figure out how to get any more to hunt, but I don't think I'm going, dubbing them down mm. is, is going to help anything. So that's my opinion.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I think that's shared by a lot of people, especially in our age group, Lee, and, and you know, we live in this instant gratification society. You mentioned that the guys pull in the hunt five minutes early, register their dog, go to the woods, go home, you know, and then it's on to right. something else. Go, go home and get on Facebook and talk about what you did. But um yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying. That elusive first place win sometimes, you know, it could be really well, a hard. A dog
0: can't stay a dog can't stay for five minutes. That's shame on them. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> In yeah. the mountains where I hunt and stuff, they better they better stay there. Sometimes for twenty five minutes uh, for oh, me to yeah. get there. You know. Yeah, it's so. a
2: three minute tree now. You know, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I'm with you and I remember those days so so very, very well when the the hunts were three hours and I I was at UKC when we started, when we actually entertained the idea of moving to a two hour hunt and that kind of was brought on by PKC and the boys that hunted the PKC, but it also was brought on by the clubs because they were saying, well, we don't have guides that will stay out there three hours anymore or they don't have enough places to turn the dogs loose uh, for a three-hour hunt. And I'll never forget John Wick, uh, who John still writes and has been, you know, very active over there. He's a, a native Pennsylvanian there with you, Lee. But, uh, you know, saying that... Uh, Hey, if you're a coon hunter, you ought to want to hunt four hours instead of three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, uh, I agree it, with him. Yeah. It was a convenience thing and it was almost a necessity, but it did take away a lot of it. You know, I can remember so many things have changed, and we, we could have a, you and I need to get together on, on another podcast and talk about some of these things. But things well, we'll that,
0: do, we'll, do that one of, we'll do that one of these days, but it, I, I sure appreciate it. I hope we didn't bore people too much. I, but well, the we over dogs or the wild dogs have treated me really, really well, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of them, as you can probably tell. And um,
1: well, you just, certainly uh, should be, Lee.
0: they certainly all weren't perfect, but they, they were the best thing I had at the time. Like I said, I'd give. Anything to get any one of them back. Uh, I, there's there's dogs here that we haven't even mentioned that were real good, but this they weren't, uh, they were probably just as good as Clover, just as good as Jeannie, just as good as Julie. I had one I called uh, Little Jill, uh, hmm. one of the best I ever had, and uh, this not too long ago I had one called Jeannie. I had several Jeannies, several Jills, but uh, Tony. He won Walker day's weather uh for me. He was hunting. I forget I was hunting something else. He won she plays southeastern um, world hunts and stuff. She was really outstanding. She was out of uh, my jade female and well was wild Casey. So see. she was out of wild card as yes, she was out of the jack dog I had a male dog he was a a younger brother. he was super nice dog so he just, uh, But you know, and then another thing I said to somebody one time, I said, you know, some of these dogs, I finished them out very quickly, and a lot of guys never got to know anything about them, because I didn't drag them to a lot of hunts and stuff. At Joy Female, it was Joey's sister. Uh, mm-hmm. I bought her back. She'd been run over with a truck, broke her spleen. She kind of went sideways. I took her, and I think it was sometime in July and by September, she was a grand night, and she scored 6,700-plus points and no minus points. Wow. And um,
2: Now, she was a sister to uh, Wild Joey? Yep. Uh,
0: Same with her. Yep. Same with her.
2: Well, you so. certainly have had a lot of good ones, Lee, and uh, I Been hope that now. you'll uh, get to enjoy the sport uh, for many years to come and that there will be more of these wild – Tree and Walker's coming down the pipe. Well,
0: I, I I don't know that I'll raise any more pups or not. I'm just kind of uh, content to sit on the porch and take what I have. You know, you figure uh, seventy nine. If I got a good dog, how how how? <laughs> like my dad said one time, he was in his up in his nineties, and they wanted to do an operation on him. He told me he said, "Be don't don't let him do that." And I said, "Okay." He said, how long do they expect me to live?
1: And
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I kind of think to myself, <clears throat> how how long are we going to be able to stumble around through the woods? So,
2: Well, I you, you have to adjust a little bit. Like I said earlier, I've kind of adjusted by changing my hunting territory a little and being satisfied. You know, when I lived in Michigan those years, you know, I had— I had ample hunting in any direction. I wanted to go 10 minutes, 15 minutes from the house and and all. So I've had to adjust the amount of time that I can hunt. And like right now here in Florida, I'm not getting out there in the cotton mouse and the alligators and uh, hel- uh, helicopter-sized mosquitoes and all that stuff. I'm just not going to do it at my age. But when the weather starts cooling... My feet, you know, start itching, and I'm going to go somewhere, and I'm going to coon hunt as long as the Lord will let me do that, and I will be 76 in October. So, um, you know, I come from healthy stock. My mother passed away the last day of March. She was 100 years and 11 days old, and so— I am uh, <laughs> i don't think I'll be the world's first 100-year-old coon hunter. I'm sure that I wouldn't be anyway. There's probably some old boy back in the mountains somewhere right now that's still <laughs> hunting at that age. Well,
0: we're both fortunate that way. Dad was almost 98 when he oh, passed away. That's Mom little younger. She was 87, I think. Yeah. She, had, she, caught, yeah. she caught Parkinson's, and that's what got her. I but see. Anyhow. Yeah. You just have to take one day at a time and That's enjoy it. Right. That's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm just fortunate I have these Amish guys to help me out. Oh, yeah. Uh, the boys will boys will be there sometime. And they'll say, you want to see that coon? I tell him no. I'll say, Here, take the lead. Go get that dog. I, yeah. I've seen a lot of coons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and,
2: Lee, um, it's been a you real... If
0: get down to Randy's or around Hunt Coast, uh, give me a call. I've got an old grand night up there. I... Uh, Finished him out and, I uh, uh, got him off a good friend of mine, Lenny Raggedan. He, Lenny, he can't hunt anymore. He's got sugar real bad. He was a pop Lenny. I was hunting him for Lenny and I'd call Lenny on the phone, and let him listen to his name. The dog's name's Casey too. Well, oh, he's, Lenny said to me one day, he said, he was, well, he wasn't very old really. and and well, he said, when's your birthday? <clears throat> I told him, He going go have the birthday. He said, I put the papers in the mail. He said, you just keep that dog. I've <laughs> had, I've had won red bone days with him, blue tip days. I don't know what all of awesome. uh,
2: what, what do you call him, Lee?
0: Casey, Logan's oh. Wild Casey. Okay, yeah. And uh, he, on his, I think on his mother's side, he goes back uh, to Russell's Wild Casey and, hmm. um, not not really bred up or real tight, but he's a nice dog. who turn him loose, tell him get the truck, he gets in the truck. Uh, Daryl, my buddy, say he calls him the old man's dog. He gets in some place <laughs> real thick or something. And I don't want him. I call him. He comes
2: well, as me. we get older, that <laughs> handle means a lot. <laughs> yeah, <doesn't it? laughs>
0: means, means a lot. It does. So, pretty. He's a pretty decent coon dog. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. you get in this area. Give me a buzz. Uh fun of with uh Randy, I've been up to his place. Uh we tell Randy we want some place fairly flat, oh.
2: Well, he takes me occasionally someplace there it's out. I I think it might be out east, I'm not sure. But we get out of those old hills that that he lives in there and Get into he some pretty. Takes over.
0: He probably takes you over around Harlessburg. That's
2: uh, you know I I'm the world's worst. I would be the worst guy to slip back in on your hunting spots, because right. when I get in the truck with somebody or or on a side by side or whatever, I'm. Running my mouth—that's been one. <laughs> and I'm not paying attention to where I'm going. Of course, I got the Garmin, you know, to get her.
0: I, the... I don't either. I find myself the other <laughs> night. I was hunting a place I hunt all the time, and I was in there messing with the dog at treat and stuff. And I stumbled around I was in some grapevines and stuff. And I grabbed her up and I started walking. And I said, hey, "Boy, this doesn't look familiar." <laughs> I just—I just think the way I come in here, <laughs> I got my Garmin out. I'm walking in exact opposite way of the truck, and I like I said, I've hunted there for ten years, and no almost every tree in there, and I was coming yeah. out of the
2: woods the way. so yeah, well, you know my wife says she's taking the scenic route, and uh my dad used to say well i i'm I'm going the wrong way, but I'm making good time so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, Lee, it's been a genuine pleasure to talk to you, my friend. And I'm going to hold you to that, that we're going to do this again. And we'll yep. talk about some of these other dogs, and we'll we'll solve all the world's problems. We've been at it Uh-oh. here about an hour and 40 minutes, if you can believe that. And it's been a genuine right, pleasure there, talk right now, every don't. minute. And I uh, want to thank you so much for coming on with me today. Uh, and, oh, I enjoyed uh, it. Yeah, well, I wish you good health, good luck with your dogs, and uh, I have a little closing here that a little tag I put on each one of our uh, podcasts, and we'll close this one out, and uh, it goes like this. If you're looking for Steve Fielder, that's me, uh, just ask somebody, and they'll tell you he's gone to the dogs.